this is Ricky Jones with another podcast episode of It Is Sunday Till Monday, that podcast where I try to take the Sunday sermons that sounded so good in my mind, at least they looked good to me when I wrote the notes down, and answer your questions so that I can help make them more practical on your Monday mornings. Yesterday I preached on uh, how to be holy. The youth group asked me the question, how do we stop sinning? What do we do about vices? What do we do about uh, addictions? What do we do about indwelling sin? And so I really kind of gave this sermon of three basic points that, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to become what you are. Uh, God's already born us again. We're not trying to earn his approval. We're not trying to uh, transform ourselves into something that we're not, but we are being transformed by his spirit into uh, his image, and he's doing all the heavy lifting. So that was fun. Uh, We talked a little bit about the necessity of surrounding yourself with community that will enable you to be like uh, be like Christ and it will encourage you to be like Christ. And I talked about the necessity of, of taking things away that cause you to stumble. Maybe certain things aren't uh, a sin. Maybe it's the internet. Maybe it's access to uh, alcohol. Maybe it's certain friends or even a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And those things in and of themselves aren't sins, but sometimes they cause us to sin. And Jesus says anything that's causing us to sin, we should separate ourselves from. Um, let's go ahead then and get into today's questions. The uh, questions are uh, were sent to me in worship yesterday. Uh, we had a, qu- a phone number on the board that enabled people to just text in questions while I was preaching, and I got about 10 or so of those. I'm going to try to answer those. If you have any questions you'd like for me to answer, uh, please email those to info at riveroakstulsa.com, and we can. I'll be glad to answer those uh, next week in the next podcast. So let me just go ahead and jump in here. Uh, start out with a good one, a positive one. Uh, this question says, I struggled with the same sins for most of my life and finally have come through them in the last year or so. When my problems have been so obvious for so long, where do I start looking next? <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's a great question. Well, I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that you're making progress and I'm really uh, excited for you. Your uh, sin will become obvious to you as the Lord goes on. Maybe uh, maybe you are in a little bit of a period where God's just kind of letting you have some grace. I wouldn't worry too much. I'm sure he will make your sins obvious to you enough soon. If not, then, uh, well, let's get you into the Word. Let's get you into uh, the Bible. Let's get you into some community around some people who will be honest with you and will be glad to point out uh, to you places where you need to improve. And, and it's, that's an important play, way to use our relationships. We don't want to have these kind of conversations all the time, every time, but at least once a year or so, it's really important to sit down with your spouse, to sit down with your uh, neighbors, to sit down with your best friends and say, hey, you know me. Where, where do you think I need to grow? Uh, if you could change one thing about me, what would that be? And then we buckle our seatbelts and we get ready to listen to uh, the truth and hear, hear what people have to say about us. Uh, that's a very important thing for you to do, and I encourage you uh, to do that. Second question says, aren't we all addicted to our comfort and pleasure? Why is dying to ourselves in all of life not a normal thing talked about when sin is discussed? Um, well, I got two. I, I just want to kind of help you here. I, this is the kind of question I get from people who grow up in kind of other traditions 
where, frankly, uh, ideas of comfort zones are really beaten on and, uh, you know, the idea that we need to be out kind of dying for Jesus every day uh, is stressed. And I'm not, I don't like that kind of language. That kind of language is really used to guilt trip and to shame people a lot. Um, No, I don't think we're addicted to comfort and pleasure. Uh, That's not an adequate or accurate use of the word addiction. Uh, The word addiction has a much more specific meaning. You're addicted to something. If you have something that's causing a real problem in your life and relationships and you can't stop doing it, uh, it's, it's not true to say that we're addicted to comfort and pleasure. And, and following that kind of line of reasoning usually it can be very dangerous. It can take people into a depressed place where they're always just beating up on themselves. The Apostle Paul says that uh, that's, that's asceticism, that's uh, discipline to the body, that's uh, harshness to the body that is of no value in actual godliness uh, in Colossians chapter 2. So I don't, I don't like that language at all. Um, I don't like beating up on people for being people. I think it's okay and even encouraged in the Bible to enjoy a good meal, uh, to enjoy yourself and the gifts that God has given you. Um, dying to yourself, uh, dying to selfishness, uh, putting other people first, loving people, that is what holiness is about. Um, so if if you have an opportunity to love somebody and that would require saying no to yourself so you could say yes to them, well, then by all means, then you say yes to them. And, and that is what it means to die to yourself. But just kind of beating yourself up, saying, well, if I enjoy this, I need to take it away. Uh, today I'm going to take away peanut butter. Next tomorrow I'm going to take away jelly, and before you know it, I'll be left with nothing but water and feeling guilty if the water tastes good. Uh, that's that's not where uh, the Bible is leading us. Um, so I think it's important to keep those things in context. Um, that's it's, it's only a sin if it's keeping us from loving God or loving our neighbor. So I hope that's helpful. If that's not, feel free to to send in another question. Uh, third question I received says, I struggle with having grace and patience for my difficult co-workers. My sin is pride and self-interest. What does it look like to lay aside what causes us to stumble in that situation? Well, um, you know, it sounds like you've got a handle on what your sin is. Your sin is pride. Uh, your sin is uh, looking down upon your other co-workers. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they are uh, sinful. Maybe you need to ask for a transfer. It's kind of hard to answer some of these questions in the abstract. Um, but uh, maybe, so I'm assuming here that it's just, they're just difficult and that you are prideful. That's what you say here. And so in that those cases, actually, your co-workers are a gift from God giving you an opportunity to see where this pride is still a part of your life and whatever opportunity you can take to pursue them and to actively love them and to serve them is something that's going to make you more like Christ. So try to view them instead of viewing them as difficult, as opportunity, as, as people who are in your way to get something that you want. View them as um, opportunities for you to have God's grace grow in your life. And in that way, uh, you can uh, become more like Jesus. And, and maybe instead of seeing them as difficult, you'll even begin to love them in the process. 
Great. Our next question is, uh, within community, do you have advice on what to do when you see someone starting to isolate themselves? That's hard, you know, because part of uh, the Christian life is uh, being responsible, being taking responsibility for your own health. Uh, but within that, absolutely, when you see someone clearly separating themselves from the community, do whatever you can to go after them. Now, that's going to mean, you know, knowing who they are and, and different people like to be kind of shepherded in, in different ways. Some people like to receive a text message, others a phone call. Others would love it if you showed up at their door with, um, you know, a, a container of noodle salad. Uh, whatever you think that will really f- reach that person. But you can't always be responsible for how people take your opportunities, your efforts to love them. All you can do is make the effort to love them. So, yes, if you see someone, uh, you know, start out with just a text message saying, hey, you doing okay? How are things? I've missed you. I haven't seen you in a while. Give them an opportunity to talk. Give them the opportunity to say, yeah, you know, I've been real busy. Or, hey, you know, I've been depressed. Maybe they've committed some sins that they know are inappropriate, and now they're struggling with shame. Uh, You have to kind of give them room to respond and to share what's going on in their lives. That's the, that's the best way to do it. And then be prepared for whatever they tell you. It might be something small. It might be a big deal. Um, but you're, you're doing what you can to, to bridge this gap and to bring them back into community and back into Christ. Uh, I think it's a very important thing that we do for each other is notice when uh, other people are gone and and do what we can to to circle them back good question uh next question all right this is kind of for the introverts again i talked about the importance of of christian community christian community is the front lines of of holiness of caring about being righteous Uh, it's actually the place where righteousness is, is carried out now, the question is, if my job involves people all day, always being full of energy, how do I get past the exhaustion of being in crowds with our family group? How can I recharge to be in the company of my church family? It's a great question. Probably, I would imagine, from a school teacher or somebody like that who's always surrounded with people. And it is important to, especially for those of us who are introverted, who get worn out by being in crowds, it's important to take time to recharge, to let yourself just reset and rest. Um, you know, for me, that involves, uh, well, I actually have the benefit of being able to come to an office where I'm by myself. And sometimes I've been known to sneak on into that office on a, in between services on a Sunday or even on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, but finding a quiet place where you can allow yourself to rest, it might involve, you know, just being careful in how you schedule. Um, for instance, if you uh, are working all week and your job really exhausts you so that you don't feel like don't have the energy to be around people, then you probably want to sign up for a community group or a family group that meets on a Sunday. So you're not going to be exhausted when it's time for that group to meet. Um, it might involve, you know, if you're talking about just your personal family, then you, you need to schedule in time for you to recharge uh, maybe that, that that's the value of a good uh, commute for some of us. We get to be in the car alone and, and just recharge before we're confronted with the family. Um, you know, 
some people like to work out. That's what I do every Sunday after church. I go straight to the gym. That's kind of how I recharge. Uh, long walks are good. I'm not exactly sure if you're asking me specifics on how to recharge or uh, how to, can you be in a community group without it driving you crazy. So I'm trying to scattershot as much as possible. But you do have to take charge of your schedule. You can't just let your calendar always be telling you what's next. At some point, you have to take charge of your schedule and say, this is what I will put here, and this is what I will put there, and this is how we're going to make that work. So I hope that's helpful. All right, next question. What if the Christian community that you're surrounded by is not what you want to become? For example, they don't have the same standards for holiness that you strive for. Uh, well, the short of it is if uh, I think there's always a call for self-examination, maybe uh, what, you're, what you think is holiness and what they think is holiness is different. But there's also been ample uh, examples of so-called Christian community that's, that's fallen off and, and do doesn't care about holiness, in which case you do need to change. You need to find a different, a, a different group. Uh, that's painful. And it might be that they will come after you. And when they come after you, you can say, tell them just what you just told me here. That, you know, there are certain things I think is important. I think it's important to care for the poor. Or I think it's important to be showing hospitality to strangers. And I don't think that you find those things important. Uh, and so I'm, I'm striving for a different standard of holiness. Hopefully that will produce some good conversations where you can talk about that and and see if one or both of you are right or wrong about that and if so uh, that's great uh, i hope that conversation leads you into to some positive places uh, it might actually mean uh, you know changing community groups within the church or changing churches or schools altogether. i hope that's not the case uh, but ultimately uh, we all need to be in a place where uh, we feel called and encouraged towards holiness and like we are being encouraged to strive toward likeness to Christ. And I hope you can find a community that will uh, enable you to do that. All right. Last question here. Uh, this is, well, there's two more. Let's, let's, let me read these. Uh, I appreciate your correction that holiness is not isolated and that the Bible sees brotherly love as serious Christianity. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Uh, for our kids, how can we help them understand the difference between secular community and Christian community, given its importance and the necessity in fighting sin? Uh, that is that's a huge deal, and it's a big part of uh, our kids' lives, um, our kids, teenagers, in today's world tend to function in pods. Uh, they have their pod of school friends. They have their pod of athletic friends. They have their pod of church friends. They have their pod of neighborhood friends. And it can be honestly pretty alarming how different they are, how different our children act in each of these different pods. Uh, I think the most important thing we can do for our kids is to demonstrate and to encourage Primarily to demonstrate, but to demonstrate and encourage being the same person in all groups. Uh, I think the more you can demonstrate uh, that kind of integrity, that I am what I am, no matter who I'm around, uh, that, that's the kind of thing your ch kids really catch and they learn. Uh, and then also, your kids are going to care about church as much as you care about church. 
Uh, you know, if church is the add-on for those weeks when you don't have sports and there's nothing going on at school and there's nothing going on in your extra extracurricular activities, well, it's going to be the same way for your kids. Uh, if, if church is the thing you schedule around, if Christian community is the thing you schedule around, uh, then your kids will be the same way. One of the problems for our children a lot of times is they end up being just like us. Isn't that awful? Can't imagine anything worse. Uh, if you want to know uh, what you care about most in life, ask your kids, and they'll tell you what you talk about the most, and that is actually what you care about the most. Uh, that's a convicting truth, but it is the truth. And so if your kids are not uh, making, emphasizing the Christian community, uh, then maybe that's something you need to do as a family. One of the examples I used in my sermon of, of the effect of community is uh, of a father whose doctor, the doctor, the pediatrician had told the father that his child was gaining too much weight and was headed toward obesity and told them that they all, the whole family, was going to have to go on a diet if they were going to help this uh, boy not become obese. And the father in that process lost 50 pounds. Uh, it could be that looking at the community that your children choose uh, will be a corrective for your whole family. And a time for you to all look and say, hey, wait a minute, we've, we've not emphasized the church and the community of grace as much as we ought to. Uh, and then maybe that would be a chance to pull you back uh, and maybe to do some, to, some family repentance. All right, last question. I find myself not liking or being annoyed by a lot of people. Well, me, me too. Uh, since holiness involves loving your neighbor and being communal, is not liking certain people something that is sinful or that could prevent me from growing in holiness? Uh, well, yeah, could be. It depends on what you do with, with this attitude of not liking people. Uh, it could be that it makes you, it becomes an obstacle if you assume that you're right and you avoid all the people that you don't like. Uh, it could also be a, a real opportunity for you to grow in holiness. Maybe you need to examine your own motives and yourself and, and see these people as gifts. I think I, actually, I think I, I brought this up in one of the first couple of questions. Uh, see these people as gifts, as God's way of showing you where you need to grow and how you need to uh, broaden your heart and be more magnanimous and more graceful so that we can love each other better. Uh, that is that is what it means to be like Jesus. Jesus loved the people who were the most hateful to him. Uh, he, he loved me and he loved you. And so learning to love people that we don't have an affinity towards that we don't naturally like is a great way to become more gracious, to become more like Jesus. And, and that is the definition of holiness. Uh, and so what I would encourage you to do is um, is to begin asking yourself questions, why? Why don't I like them? What is it about them that I find so irritating? Is that is that me? Is that my pride? Is that my sin? Maybe uh, I need that to develop empathy. Uh, maybe I need to examine their lives and see what I can do to be... Um, well, ask myself the question, what has... If I'm assuming that you're dealing with someone who really is hard to deal with, is a, is a, is a broken person, uh, asking yourself the question, how did they get broken? Uh, kind of viewing their whole life, uh, viewing their, them as, as children, seeing... 
uh, what they were put through. That might help you to develop empathy, help you to develop love toward people that you don't have a natural affinity towards. And, and that would make you holier. That would make you kinder. That would make you more filled with loving kindness and love and grace and peace and patience. Uh, so anyway, I hope that helps. Like I said, this is uh, kind of a shorter podcast. I didn't have a host. I don't have a lot of, didn't have a whole lot of questions. I hope this will stir some thought with you, though, and maybe you can email me some questions to uh, info at riveroakstulsa.com, and I will answer those next week. Uh, until then, have a great week, and I will see you on Sunday. <music>